Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> Wine. I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. And I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broad Wasted podcast where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and pie anybody? Don't be square, just stay in shape. Well, I saw a sign when I was on the rompus. It said, math, the only subject that counts. One plus one equals moo. I'm a calculator. Joining us today are the usual prime suspects, including Kevin, always right but on the edge, Jager. Yes, I see what you did there. Kimberly, our rational game master and unofficial babysitter for the hour. You like to be rational. And with us today are the usual algebras and gals, uh, I guess one hammy and a tammy. Let's give a big broad wasted welcome to friends of the show. Friends of, friends the, of the show. Aaron J. Albano and Haley Pachu. You all ready for math? <laughs> welcome. Um, <clears throat> this will be a fun one. So this is the first episode of our, hey, it's a play, Okay. Uh, okay. podcast uh, series. Uh, we're doing three plays that have been adapted into movies. All three of these plays won the Tony for either best play or best revival um, of a play. Um, so that's super cool. Um, and one of them won a Pulitzer, which we're talking about today. Um, but right. before we get into any of that, um, let's uh, go with what are you drinking? What are you drinking? <laughs> Um, I know. Why don't you three go first? I know you're drinking something this similar, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, Kevin, you want to take it? Kevin and Aaron, what did what did you order? What did you get? Tell us. So, tell us the deets. So we ordered a, a Qcock, which is like a cocktail delivery service um, that they make a special cocktail every week. And this one is a it's the Persian Dream Persian 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 version Persian version. And Aaron, what does it have in it? Um, it has Jose Cuervo Tequila Blanco, Triple Sec, House Dill Syrup, Lime Juice, Muddled Cucumber, Jalapeno, Dried Persimmon Garnish, and the Memory of RBG. <laughs> it's so good. It's very good. I don't like any of, this, any of these ingredients, but I like this drink. So I love it. Yes. I like mm-hmm. There's only... Say again? So I like most of those ingredients, but I don't have that drink. It tastes, <laughs> it tastes like you like had a really great margarita and somebody by mistake really fast dropped a pickle in it. <laughs> that sounds accurate, actually. You're crazy. <laughs> but it's delicious. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are only two weeks left for you to be able to get a Q-Cock. So if you want one or two, uh, go to Q-Cocktails on Instagram. At Q-Cocktails on Instagram. Boom. Mm-hmm. They're very good. I'm just having a seltzer tonight because I got to get skinny. Ah, of course. <laughs> um, Kimberly, what are you drinking? I'm back with my apple cider and Tomcat gin. And nice. my drink and my cup that I love that I don't know if you can see, it says, what doesn't kill us makes our drinks stronger. Ew. <laughs> for my 30th birthday. Oh, I nice. love that. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and I'm just drinking uh, Malagra tequila um, in a uh, glass the with um, uh, what's it called? I keep forgetting. Clubs, the no, no, the ice melted. Onyx. No seltzer. Seltzer. Oh my god, lime seltzer. Sorry, no lime seltzer. Wow. Um, we are recording this after I've broken my fast for Yom Kippur, but my blood sugar is still working its way back to normal. Um, but yeah, this is also my first my first alcohol after my cleanse, so mm. we're get, we're going to do really well today. Yeah, Brian. I know. No, I just had a bagel, cream cheese, locks, all the good stuff. But yes, um, the movie we're about to watch is proof. Will we watch it? Talk about is proof. I hope we watch it. Is proof. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, pause this. You can find it on HBO Max. Um, but I'm going to pass this off to Kevin. Kevin's going to lead our conversation um, because uh, he he likes this movie. I do. Okay. Um, we all hate this movie. I know, right? <laughs> Kevin's gonna that would go so on brand. I was like, it would be on brand for this podcast lately. So, <laughs> so this movie, right, so the movie we're talking about, like Brian said, is Proof. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a 2005 American drama film directed by John Madden and starring Gwyneth Paltrow, Anthony Hopkins, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Hope Davis. The screenplay was written by Rebecca Miller and David Auburn, and David Auburn is the playwright. And so this is based on his Pulitzer Prize winning play, Proof. Um, I wanted to host this because I love this movie. Because when this came out on Broadway around 2000, um, I was in high school and I was like starting to pay attention to the play part of the Tonys and not just the musical part. So I was like very pretentious that I knew what this was and like bought a copy and read it. And then so in 2005, it came out when I was in college. So I could be that college kid like, well, you don't know this movie? Well, it actually was a play. So <laughs> that sounds right. Like for on, everyone. On yeah. what planet does that not still happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. This is more proof that Kevin and I would have been best friends in high school. <gasps> proof? <laughs> did you say proof? I did say proof. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So proof, as I said, was a 2000. Wait, Kevin, are you watching Great British Baking Show because they proof bread? Yes, I am. <laughs> no! I quit! <laughs> Dead. I was hoping someone would get that. Isn't it with a V? Oh, yeah, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> or. Okay, so uh, it's a 2000 play by American playwright David, David Auburn. It was developed at George Street Playhouse in New Brunswick, then came uh, during their 1999 new stage series of new plays. Then it was off-Broadway in May of 2000 and then transferred to Broadway in October of 2000. It won the 2001 Pulitzer Prize for a Drama and the Tony Award for Best Play, as well as a Tony Award for the original lead, Mary Louise Parker, who played Catherine. Um, So just some fun facts about this show before we jump into it. Uh, Other people who played the lead role besides Mary Louise Parker were Jennifer Jason Leigh and Anne Haish. Haish, okay. Wait, during that Broadway run? During the broad, original Broadway run, they all took over the role. Yeah. Uh, oh, got it. <laughs> the, re- the role of Claire, her sister, was originated on Broadway by friend of the show, Joanna Day. Woo! Um, I think that's super fun. And uh, this show ran for uh, 917 performances. Wow. And that's it a won, lot. Yeah, and it won best, best Play, Best Actress in a Play, Best Director of a Play as well. Um, who, played, who played Robert and Hal? Uh, Robert and Howard, played by Ben Shankman, was Hal. Uh, okay. Yeah, have, of Royal Pains Royal Pains. fame. Royal Pains, <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> I've never seen it. 
And uh, Larry Brigman was Robert, the dad. Okay. Cool. Um, so the play ended in January 5th, uh, 2003. It then opened in the West End at the Donmar Warehouse in May of 2002. Ooh, of Don- course this played at the Donmar. And it ran through June 15th, 2002. It was directed by John Madden at the West End, who is the director of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow played Catherine on the West End, which she also does in this film. Uh, oh. Fun fact, I know, I know Brian loves this kind of stuff. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal was making his theatrical debut on the London stage in Kenneth, uh, is it Lonergan? Lonergan? Mm-hmm. Uh, his revival of This Is Our Youth from March 1st to April 20th, 2002. So it was very, like, because the show Proof opened with Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, director John Madden in May of that year, they probably went and saw him and experienced oh. him. And he had chosen to do West End because he said, every actor I've ever looked up to has done a lot of theater work. So I knew I had to give it a try. So he started doing theater work to try to get better. And it brought him this role in this movie. I thought that was cool. super fun. I um, thought I'd give it a try. Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> hey, at least he's good. There are people who have given it a try yes. and aren't. Other, other, fun, other quick fun facts about this movie. Um, it's adapted for the for screen by Rebecca Miller, the uh, who worked with the playwright. Uh, Rebecca Miller is the daughter of Arthur Miller, the famous playwright uh, and Pulitzer Prize winner. Oh, um, cool! Do, does anyone know who she's married to? Who? Daniel Day Lewis. Oh. oh. What an intellectual um, marriage! Yeah. Because I think they met while he did the Crucible. Oh, I cool. hope they watched The Bachelor together. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, so this that's my kind of night. And holy moly. <laughs> this movie was directed by John Madden, who also is famous for directing Shakespeare in Love, which won Gwyneth Paltrow her Oscar in 1998. Um, so he, Does he also have a, a lucrative football video game series? Because... <laughs> <laughs> it's the same guy! Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, Hope Davis, who plays Claire in this movie, is uh, Tony Stark's mother from Captain America: Civil War. Mm-hmm. And um, oh my god, the whole family! And then, uh, oh yeah, because it's Pepper, and I thought that's ridiculous. And then, following proof, David Auburn wrote the screenplay for the movie The Lake House with uh, <laughs> with Sandra Bullock and uh, Ken Reeves. I just um, for the first time. Wait, are all four? Who's the? We all four of them are Marvel stars. You have Odin, you have Mysterio, you have, yeah. Pepper, you have Mrs. Stark. Wow, that's crazy. Perfect. Okay, Yay. so um, cool. So let's first dive into this and talk about it. How, uh, I'll, give me your, uh, how you were, re- what your relation is to this specific movie, what's your relation is to the play, and um, high level thoughts, but you get to have only one sentence for each thing. Oh, okay. Uh, starting with uh, Kimberly. Give me the categories again, and then I'll give you a sentence. Uh, relationship to this as a um, this specific movie. I watched it in college when I was assigned a scene from it. Relationship to the play. I read it in college when I was assigned a scene. <laughs> uh, high level thoughts. Um, I very much enjoy it. And rewatching it, I realized how many times I'd been assigned a scene from this play. <laughs> many. Uh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, 
A.A. Ron. I was a math geek in high school, but I did not know about this play until way later. Um, I have a feeling I would have loved it had I known about it when I was in my, like, math prime. But uh, Your prime? Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> so I watched this movie, but I did not know – I had not known the play prior to it. Um, I like it. I do wish, and I spent many a many a half hour, not a many a half hour, just a half hour last night, looking for a bootleg of the original production on YouTube because I would love to see it in its play form. Um, when the library reopens, I would go with you to the library to watch. Okay, let's go. Oh, God, I would love that. Yeah. Uh, Brian. Sure. Um, I had never seen the movie. Um, I have never read the play, but I knew what it was about. Um, just like, like high level blurb. Um, and I really enjoyed it. The movie. Awesome. Haley. Um, no relationship to the movie or the play. This was my first time for both. I mean, both because it was the movie version of the play. Um, but I do remember when I was a kid, seeing the um, marquee for the play all the time. And I always thought it was Claire Danes in the poster and not Mary Louise Parker. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about with this movie um, is adaptations, because I think it's very interesting, especially in this specific movie adaptation of a play where you can feel the actual play take over. And when you can feel the movie take over. So how did you guys feel this specific story and this specific script adapted to movie form when you could feel it's like play presence kind of haunting behind it? Let's start, uh, let's start this time with Haley. Um, I mean, having never seen both, the whole time I watched this movie, I just wanted to watch the play. Like that, that was all, I was just like, God, I would so much rather see this as a play. Fair, uh, Kimberly? I felt that way as well. And I have seen, I didn't see it on Broadway, but I've seen, um, I don't even know, like an off-Broadway regional-ish production that a friend of mine was in a long time ago. And it weird, like somehow the stakes are higher when you're sitting in the room with just four actors on stage than, I don't know. It's a very quiet story for a movie when it is like very cool. So the whole time I as well, especially because I had just watched a clip of Mary Louise Parker. So the entire time I was like, I just, I want Mary Louise, please. Uh, Aaron? Um, I'll agree. It's one of those things it's like, I like, I liked it and I got it, but there's something about, it felt very, hmm, how do I want to say this? Because a movie is just innately more visual. Um, I felt like I couldn't listen because I was distracted by the cinematography. And because it's a Pulitzer Prize winning play, I couldn't, like, all I wanted to do was listen. And I got distracted. I mean, especially like all the montage, because they basically made more scenes to make it a movie. Like, funeral scene and all that like they because I, I started reading the 
play the play after I watched the movie this time around. I didn't finish it, but like I could already tell that they split up a lot of the different scenes to be more scenes for the movie, which I get it, which is fine. But there's something about like when you're in a room and all there is is listening to two people talk, you get clicked in. Yeah, you get clicked in way harder if that makes sense. Like you're more invested and I would have, and therefore you hear more nuance and detail, which I didn't feel like I caught and was unable to catch watching it as a movie. Because there are even a few scenes that took place in multiple places that are usually just on the porch or just in the living room. Yeah. Um, Like I was confused at one point when they were having a conversation in a cab and I was like, but I did that whole... I said these lines and I did the whole, but I did the scene before this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it is the scene before this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it wasn't bad. It was just... No. The, the, medi- the medium, like, yeah. sort of dilutes the, the richness of the language. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, the text... They, like, left all of the text there, but they visually were like, well, people need things to happen to more see things. so let's yeah. just make them be in other places but saying the same words when it's more effective yeah. when you're just like these two people are talking for 20 minutes and I will just sit here and watch them talk. Mm-hmm. Ryan, your thoughts on the adaptation? Sure. Um with I-, I love watching plays made into movies because I love guessing <laughs> without knowing. I love like it's very clear like what was a scene in the play like in this one, I thought it was very easy to guess which one was which, um, and um, and I, like and then afterwards, I read the Wikipedia of the play um, and how it's broken up in the play, and and um, you know, like obviously, like in the play, like of course she never goes to the airport. Like in my head, I'm like, she never goes to the airport. I'm sure this happens in the backyard where they're gonna leave, and that's where she makes the decision. Like like all that stuff, um, which is fine. Um, I thought that. It's funny. I, while watching this, I was like, oh, this, this won a Pulitzer? Um, because, like, it's fine. It, it just feels like a Gwyneth Paltrow movie as opposed to, like, the, some, the, 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 I feel like the work is more famous than the actors in it, where this was the actors are more famous than the work, if it will. I, I don't mm. think that's a bad thing per se, but I think that's just something that comes off of it. Um, um, I, I don't know how the, so in the play I was reading the, the discovery that she says that she, first of all, only the play would someone deny that they didn't find it and then say, because I wrote it. It's like, okay, correct. this would have been solved an hour ago. Um, (laughs) but, um, but like, so that's apparently that's intermission. And then the the opening of act two is the flashback into them arguing if she wrote it or he wrote it correct which was interesting what was interesting oh i i totally guessed that like oh okay so these flashbacks are just strewn throughout when really these are just like one-off scenes to fill in information in act two to be more powerful um i think that one of the issues with this for me is that i think it would have been more impactful in the play where they talk about the the um the anthony hopkins character um more than you see him because they had Anthony Hopkins. They're obviously going to put him throughout. So it kind of, it, it, it dilutes his mystery. Um, 
<laughs> but what was interesting to me about this, just to get back to my point, I'm sorry, is the plot happens so late into the movie. It may be halfway, but the fact that like they discover that like she wrote it and, or, or they, they find it, the question of if she wrote it or not feels like the last 20 minutes versus the play where it feels like the, it is the whole second act. I was more invested in the play in their all of their relationship to their father and all of that um, than I was in terms of finding out if she did it or not. Because I think the movie very early on suggests that she did write it. So there was no mystery there. Like a, there was no quote doubt sequences. Whereas, yeah. It's just making you think, is she crazy or not? Not like, right. mm-hmm. right or not. Well, but, but even in the movie, it's very clear very early on that like she did write this. Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. I feel like in the play, you, you're given a little bit more, until they actually say something, you're giving a little bit more leniency to believe which one or the other. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think um, my my big thing from like jumping off what Brian said is I think in the actual play with four people, especially because the play is set almost absolutely completely in the house that she was with her dad as he got crazier and crazier and she was taking care of him. There is such a, like a fifth character in this play that is that house and like your draw to like your home and also the monologue she does at the end, I'm pretty sure comes in multiple times in the play about like, I'm looking at a house, I can see inside, but I don't know what's in it, like that whole thing. So the house is such a big metaphor. And you're also supposed to feel like this play really captures what people feel as adults who, and I don't want to say get roped in because that's not what it is, but people who, because of how life works, end up being the caretaker for an older, like a, a parent. And so like going through that experience of like, becoming just a facility for someone as they like get sicker and like lose control. I think that's such a huge part of this play that like they try to, the, the, I think the director does an adamant job of trying to replace that with the paranoia of the camera angles, because like it comes from inside the refrigerator, which is like all the places Mm -hmm. the camera's coming from are places that could be spy cameras in my head. So oh, it's interesting. Like, it's very voyeuristic in how this movie is shot. Everything's either too close, so it's like up in your business, or it's like coming from a place that could be a spy camera, if you will. So to me, he's like, that's what he's trying to do to replace that feeling. But you can't replace that because it's such a fifth character in this play. Um, sure. So it's a fun, fun thought, but uh, I mean, you know where else? I mean, where else things I don't make more. sense, Brian? <laughs> It's Kevin's corner. So wait, for those of you, so for those of you who are just joining us pre-Patreon after Patreon, you you get the theme song, but you don't get the Kevin's corner. No, no, they are getting the Kevin's corner. They they did transition. They didn't get the game, so they're not going to understand the transition. Oh, got it. Oh, yeah. got it. Got it. The transitions are really easy to follow in most cases. I'm sorry. Also I true. I jumped in there. Okay. No, it's okay. I. You'll have to get Patreon to see how I botched everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Welcome to Kevin's Corner, but it's not actually Kevin's Corner this week. Aha! We are in Mr. Pulitzer's Corner. <laughs> Ew. Oh, Aaron and I's faces were like. <laughs> Whoa. And I have put Newsy Aaron into jail. 
And the only way to get Aaron out of jail is to get more right answers than wrong answers on this Pulitzer Prize winning quiz. Oh, there oh, it is. Oh, no. Just a little heads up. The, the quiz is not Pulitzer Prize winning. It's about Pulitzer Prize winning things. We Just understood. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to pick random people and give you a we question. Understand. And you have to remember if you got it right or wrong. I'll okay. just, I'll mark it on a paper. Hold on. I, I have paper. Kevin, I have paper. Okay, Brian, just keep track. Likes to keep yeah. score. Okay. <clears throat> And I try to keep these very... Okay, we'll just go for it. We'll see what happens. Aaron's going to go first. Oh, gosh. I'm in jail, though. Right, because this is to decide... If you don't get this question right, then uh, we just execute you and the game's over. Great. (laughs) Question one. The 1996 Me Prize winner, because I'm Mr. Pulitzer, uh, for drama, taught us all no day but today. Oh, do I answer the? Do I answer it? Yes. Oh, only. What yes. is? What is rent? Is it in the form? Of, is it Jeopardy? It's- <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's in the form of Jeopardy, and you're correct. That is rent by Jonathan Larson. All right, so Aaron's not executed. So let's see if we can get him out of jail. Uh, Kimberly. Yeah. Kevin and Brian sat in the nosebleed section and were still riveted by this incredible 1994 Me Prize-winning tour de force for more than two actresses. Oh, um, three tall women. That is correct. Does anyone know oh, that wrote? one? That won your award. It did. It won my award. Oh, I didn't realize. I think I, I must have realized that in the moment. Uh, you need to keep the old timey villain voice. Yeah, Haley. This, this is your question. This <laughs> won me in two thousand and one. Literally, what we're talking about. <laughs> Oh, proof. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron, if you get this wrong, you're going to be uh, executed again. Why not? Wait, um, does Brian, Brian doesn't get a question? Okay, fine. Brian gets a question. Okay. I don't deserve one after my uh, game performance. <laughs> Brian, Brian, this movie, this moving play by Suzanne Laurie Parks chronicles the adult lives of two African-American brothers as they cope with poverty Racism, work, women, and their troubled upbringings. And this won the Me Prize in 2002. That is Top Dog, Underdog. One of my favorite plays, actually. Correct. That's, that's good, because I wouldn't have gotten that All one. right, now, Aaron, here we go. Ready? <laughs> this 1998 Me Prize winner by Paula Vogel also starred Mary Louise Parker and friend of the show, Joanna Day, in the original Broadway production. But don't worry, no cars were hurt in the performance of this show. <laughs> you mean the revival? Oh, gosh. I, I might die. I know this one. I'm, Aaron, I might die. Phone, you can phone a friend if you want. <laughs> I, would like to, I would like to phone it's your one. Haley. It's your one phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to phone Haley from jail, please. I'm really going out on a limb here. It's not Pixar's cars. How I learned to drive. How I learned to drive is correct, Haley. <gasps> Did it not open yet, though? Thank you, Haley. You're welcome. Pending <sighs> opening. No, no, that was the revival. She starred in the original production. Mary Louise Parker. Yes. I thought sure. they were in the revival now. 
No, they were in the two of them were in the original production and they were reviving. Oh, IBDB was very confused. It is one of the most incredible in the revival. Oh no, they're in both. They're going to be in both. It's an incredible play. Everyone should read it. Oh, work. It's it's yeah. It's about a girl who like learns to. It's how I learned to drive. Yeah, we know. Okay, uh, uh, Kimberly. Okay. The 2004 me went to Doug Wright for his examination of the life of German antiquarian Charlotte von Mostolf, born Lothar Berfeld, who killed her father when she was a young child and survived Nazi and communist regimes in East Berlin as a transgender woman. And your clue is... Marriage rights, y'all. Oh. If you uh, need to call someone, I might be able to help. Brian, I have a guess, but I want someone else to say it first. Well, let me ask you if your guess is this. Okay. Kimberly, is your guess I am my own wife? It is. Kevin. Am I right? That is correct. Yay, Kimberly. Yay, guys. Uh, we really Haley. we really figured out the loophole to that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haley, friend of the show, Alice Ripley, won a Tony Award for her stunning performance in this emotionally charged 2010 Me Prize winner for drama. Next to normal. Correct. Do you guys notice how I'm getting, like, the most basic questions? <laughs> <laughs> you helped me on the non-basic one, so we're uh, good. Brian Plosky. Mm-hmm. The 2007 Me winner was... Also, Cynthia Nixon, or also won Cynthia Nixon the 2006 Tony Award for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Play. But in the film adaptation, the role would go to Nicole Kidman. I think I know. Uh, I think I might know this too, but maybe. Cool. But don't Kidman. don't phone me. Oh, oh, is this? Um, oh, uh, um, Two Faces in it too, uh, about the kid who dies. If you'd um, like to phone a friend. Rabbit hole? Yes. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. Right. And That's now, okay. Ooh. So is this scene point, in that? Ooh, that movie. This point you've done really well, but like this is the point in Mario Party where like Koopa <laughs> comes out and like makes things harder. So now okay. all your points have been great, but I just stole all your stars. And now to save Aaron, you have to get more than five of the ten musicals that have won a Pulitzer Prize for drama. And just a fun fact, a musical has won the Pulitzer Prize for drama roughly every decade from 1930 through 2020. I can do this. I think I can. All right, so let's go. Let's see if you can name more than five of the 10. Hamilton. All of you together. (laughs) Hamilton. Hamilton is correct. Rent is correct. Sunday in the Park. Fiorello. Sunday in the Park is correct. Of the I Sing. Oh, yeah, of the I Sing. Next to Normal. Fiorello. Yeah. Uh, uh, a chorus line. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, We're done. Seven. We got that Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Well, one the, the only one I didn't hear was how to succeed in business. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And the tw- did you get the 2021? Oh, a s- strange loop. A strange loop. Oh, cool. Oh, yay. Now, two of those are the only musicals that won the Pulitzer but did not win the Tony for Best Musical. Which ones were they? Sunday in the... uh, No, uh, what was it? You're right, Brian. Sunday in the Park. Sunday in the Park. And I don't think of the I Sing was eligible for it. And Next to Normal didn't win. 
next, next, to normal, normal. next to normal of the ice thing opened before the Tony Awards even existed. And then okay, that's the strange loop was off Broadway. Um, Wait, but you, you missed legally blonde. <laughs> How dare. <laughs> How dare. Um, oh, and just like a fun fact in uh, when of the I sing won the Pulitzer prize, they only gave it to the book authors and did not give it to uh, the composer, George Gershwin. Oh, drama. And they specifically told him, sorry, this is a dramatic prize, not a musical prize. Real drama. And then in 1950, when it was for South Pacific, they decided to give it to Richard Rodgers as well. And that's when they acknowledged that the music part of a musical also deserves the award. So How the, dare. The music then, of a musical might be important. To and the then part. I just, yeah. And then I just want to give out a few shout outs to the, the people who were finalists for musical theater, but never actually made it to like winning the full award. Um, like, Blonde. like <laughs> the gospel of Colonus. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda and uh, I'm going to say this bad. Is it Kiara Allegra Hudes for uh, In the Heights? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then Janine Tesori and Lisa Cron for Fun Home. Oh yeah. Uh, nice. Taylor Max, the 24 decade history of popular music, and then David Henry Huang and Janine Tesori were finalists for Soft Power this year. I didn't know that. That's great. Oh, wow. And this has been the uh, Pulitzer Kevin's Corner. See, am I out of jail? Hey. That was fun. Yeah, you I, jail? I think you did well, right, Brian? They answered most of them correct. We answered all of them correct. All of them were correct. So um, Aaron's case is pending. I'll let you guys know. Um, <laughs> legally blonde. Final legally thoughts, blonde. Final thoughts about this movie before we dive into the uh, Rotten Tomatoes and ranking these, and rankings. No, Eight, I'm ready to rank. I just yeah. want to ask everybody. I want to ask you real quick here. Thought is Jake Gyllenhaal was very good, and I forgot. I thought I was. I yeah, thought, I was going to say final. Final thoughts, I want to give everyone three sentences only to talk about performances and uh, like special moments from this play or the movie that we just watched. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's final sweater fit him in a very pleasing way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sentence though, one. Though earlier in the day, I told Jay that Paul Rudd was in this movie. Oops. <laughs> and... The shape of things proof, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Um, and Anthony Hopkins when she's reading back the proof that is clearly not math. Oh, oh, that brilliant. is brilliant. Uh, Brian, sure. Um, OxyClean really set the tone for this movie in the very first scene. Um, so I'll say the that. commercial, the commercial she was watching, all of them were spectacular. Um, Something that really struck me as seeming ahead of its time, which is like a terrible thing to say. And I don't know whose job this was to bring her in, but I'm so happy that Rebecca Miller was brought in to help adapt it. Because here's this man who wrote this play about a lead female. And I felt like that I'm sure that bringing Rebecca Miller in really helped to at least shape that female, both female characters a little bit better. Um, I thought that was super cool. I've never seen the play. I haven't read the play, so I don't know. But, like, that's an assumption I, I that. made. Yeah. Um, three. This is going to be more than three sentences, but at one point. Gwyneth Paltrow was 33 when this was made. Her character is 27 in this. Jake Gyllenhaal was 25 when it was made, um, and he was 26 in it. So they're not that far apart. However, I see 
Jake Gyllenhaal always is a young actor because of how, when I was introduced to him. And I always see Gwyneth Paltrow as a more mature woman and a more mature actress. So even though they're really hovering around the age of their characters and the ages of each other, and it's not weird, I had a very hard time getting over the fact that I mentally thought that there was a bigger gap in their age when there really wasn't. That's I had that moment. Interesting, because I didn't I find that at all, but I was introduced to Gwyneth Paltrow in like duets and Shakespeare in Love, like when she was fully 20 years old. Yeah. Right, I, I, that's just like, I don't know why I that is. Yeah, I always she's also pregnant with her first kid, Apple, during this movie. Oh, oh. really? Oh. Um, see, I had that moment with Hope Davis because I was introduced to Hope Davis in the newsroom. And yeah. so like for, for the for whole first scene, I was like, is Hope Davis her mom? And then when... <laughs> Wait, and then when we got, lovely. and then when we got to to when Hal gets there and she yells, they're like, "This is my sister." And I said, "Oh, cool." Well, she's I'm cheating. Like her mom. It's part of the. Character. I'm I'm cheating. Two more things from my notes. One, that voiceover just seems so out of place. That felt like a shoehorn theme in from the movie. Like it's from a the play. great monologue in the play that just gets shoved yeah. in. Two, uh, um, this has acting with coffee cups one hundred and one. <laughs> um, how you don't like they're clearly empty in the airport um, so that one, one uh, of my biggest pet peeves when I watch TV yeah. or film yeah so that's that's uh, that those are my thoughts and a, a moment that really struck me is the same I uh, actually is the same as Kimberly um, but even just the, the just tie how they tied that all together um, uh, that was very sad it was really sad, and and I like that they don't say that that's the night he died, but like you can assume that that was their last conversation, and that her telling him that he was losing it, like his mind was brilliant, but his mind also with the aneurysm or whatever describe it, this subdrilling whatever, like his mind made him and killed him, like and, and I yeah. like that was heartbreaking to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron. I think we've hit we've hit all we've hit everything that I wanted to say. I just think that the that they're all really wonderful in this movie. I would just like to see this in its original form. Yeah. Haley, do you have anything to add? No. I disagree with Aaron. Like I just would have liked to see all the original people do it. It just it's that Hollywood syndrome. It's like, oh God, can you I, just let the actor like the other actors do it? <laughs> so I, See, I didn't feel that with this way i thought they did a great job i i just yeah uh, i guess my question to everyone is like if you didn't know this was based on the play like would you even i know that doesn't count but like would you have enjoyed this movie i would have enjoyed it i wouldn't have i would have it never was, watched it I, w- I wouldn't have thought it got as much acclaim as it as it did yeah. i would have enjoyed it yeah. but i wouldn't have revered it i think in this play I, I'm obsessed with Mary Louise Parker. I've literally, like, since I moved to New York, have paid to buy, like, full price to see every single play she's done in New York. I'm obsessed with her acting. I think she's brilliant. And I, I think she's such a specific type and writers write for her. So I feel like her essence is all over this play. And I yeah. can even see Gwyneth Paltrow making choices that are Mary Louise Parker choices. My biggest thing is when she's yelling at people and doing those big, powerful moments. Like when she's yelling at Claire and she says like, and jojoba and vegetarian chili. Like that is like that whole, like 
that cadence is so Mary Louise Parker. Yeah. And the same thing is when she's yelling at Hal and she says, thinking they're me- like mentally stagnant at 26 because they are. Like the way she says it is such a Mary Louise Parker like way of speaking yeah. that like you know that that was like catered for her and Gwyneth Paltrow saw the play, thought it was great and took it to London. Gave Mary Louise yeah. Parker her Tony physically. Literally handed her <laughs> so crazy. Her movie role. Uh-huh. Okay. I, um, and I think and I think Gwyneth Paltrow is great. I just want to see. I, like, I think they're all really good. Yeah. I just want to see the show itself, like the story itself, in its yeah. original form. I would see the great cast at their ages they were in the movie do it live as a play. Yeah. But I also, when I first saw the movie and was like doing scenes from it in college, I didn't know really who Mary Louise Parker was, and so I really liked the movie. But then now having since been like a weeds fan and like a fan of her in life i could see more of the like oh she stole a few things and this was clearly written for like this kind of actress yeah um more it's so, so than fascinating like how we we revere certain like i don't know I, i'm sure like when fame is put on somebody regardless of their level of talent we see things in such a different way yeah. Like if this if this movie was cast with unknowns, just yeah, just just for a hypothetical, not anyone famous and unknowns. Like, do we think that the material would have risen above that? Do you think it's diluted because of the fame? Even if the famous people are doing a good job in the context of it, um, like, is it still? Do we still feel like yucky because they cast famous people in something? But then again was Marilise Parker wasn't necessarily super famous at the time. Like it's all a very crazy, like. It's our business. Yeah. Yeah. No, but for sure. Like what's fascinating. I think what's also interesting about this movie is that because we know it's a play, you can feel the richness of the language Mm -hmm. in the movie. And so while I don't think the movie is star making, I can tell that the play is probably star making. 100. If it was, if it was cast with unknowns, they wouldn't be unknowns after this play. Whereas I don't think that, I don't think that exists the same with the movie. I agree. That makes sense, or is that dumb? Yeah, okay, I agree. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, I don't know if this movie would have made them stars. Well, per se. I don't think it would have, but the play I think would. Yeah. Oh, in the Broadway community, okay. yeah. I I misunderstood what you're saying. 100%. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's let's jump on the Rotten Tomato score and then the Anne ranking for this film. Um, so the, there is a consensus and there is a score. Um, let's go ahead and jump with Kimberly, your guest. 92. Aaron. I'm going to say 85. Haley. Uh, 84. Brian. Oh, this is so hard. Um, 89. So you're all over, but Haley is the closest. This movie has a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. But the consensus, so interesting. The consensus is Gwyneth Paltrow and Anthony Hopkins give exceptional performances in a film that intellectually tackles the territory between madness and genius pretty well. So it's like, it's okay. That's fascinating because if Wait, we didn't know this was a play, I probably would have guessed around there. But I think the Tony and the reverence of this in our world really affected it, that. 
I think it's telling that the audience score is 59, so it's actually lower. Um, huh. That tells it, like how we watched it as playgoing people. Um, all right, so let's do the end ranking. The way the end ranking works is we have uh, three different levels for our movies that we watch. There's a uh, one plus, which is like, yo, this movie's brilliant. And there's like a two, which is like, yo, this movie's like pretty good. And then there's a three, which is like, yeah, the movie was all right, I guess. And then there's a plus or minus, which makes it better or worse. Uh, the plus is like, oh yeah. And the, the minus is like, wah, wah, bro. So like, that's how we rank our movies. And that's our end ranking system. Between Pulitzer and our, and our ranking bro. Like, <laughs> so many characters in your book. Can you guys see my screen? Yes. yes. You can see the rankings? Yep. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Anne is right. in focus. Um, Anne ranking. Um, who wants to go first? I'll go. I'm going to give it a two plus. I'm, I'm the same, Haley. Same. I will say that as well. I'm yep. a one minus. Kimberly? Oh, also two plus, sorry. All right, so this movie is a two plus. All right. Ooh, what else is it with? This is always my favorite part. Okay. Oh. Wait! We don't what? get the screen? I'm gonna read it to you. <laughs> we don't get to look? No, I'm gonna read it to you, this is fun for me. Aww. This is a selfish thing. Okay, <clears throat> it is a two plus. It is also grouped with Muppet Treasure Island, Descendants, Once Upon a Mattress, Been So Long, August Rush, 10 Things I Hate About You, Cabaret, and Proof. See, it's with Cabaret. I know, I know, guys. Lower ranking. No, weird category. Not a weird, two plus is a weird place to be. (laughs) It's only because (laughs) Descendants is there that you get pissed about the two plus category. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) The Descendants being there really throws that whole category off. It's clearly not a film. It's not up there with the film. (laughs) Not a film. Um, Not a film. (sighs) But, uh, you know, we always end with a quote, and so thank you, math, for being there to bring me joy, and thank you, math, because now brought me, because now brought me this cute boy. Boo! Oh, <laughs> oh that's stupid with love. I didn't, rem- I didn't know what MG stood for. I just did this. <laughs> um, so that's Mean Girls. Um, uh, oh, math. that's what that is. Yeah, it took me a second to know what I wrote I don't know there. What that is. Um, so we did that. Um, Thank you all for joining us. Um, Haley, is this your last episode for a while? My last Mm. episode for a while, you guys. Mm. Well, Haley gave us suggestions for future movies that we have to watch without her. So we're going to have you record voice memos so we can pop it in. Oh, my God. Well, I'll have my microphone so I can record them fancy for you. Oh, perfect. Yes. Um, But thank you all for joining us. Um, You can follow us at Broadway Set on all social media. You can find us on... um, Facebook, uh, our Facebook group, Kevin runs that. Um, you can also um, find us on all things like Spotify, uh, wherever you get your um, music um, and podcasts, as well as iTunes. Something that you can do for us is rate and review us there. Five, Five stars, stars, please. And, um, and oh, thank you. I cut you off. Thank you. Oh, I was talking, so I cut you off. The Zoom cut you off. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we raised a class. Um, Haley, thanks for joining us for so many episodes, and we'll, we'll have you. you back. But like, we know you're busy. Um, yeah. But um, as we we'll end still every be episode, here in 2022. Because <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. I'll probably I'll I'll be here as well. 
Okay. And as we end every episode, cheers. Proof. How many? Is this 40 proof? Oh. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.